Welcome to the Gymnast Nutritionist Podcast, a free resource for gymnast parents and coaches to learn to fuel the gymnast for optimal performance and longevity in the sport. I'm your host, Christina Anderson, and I'm a pediatric and adolescent registered dietitian, sports nutritionist, a former gymnast, a current nationally rated gymnastics judge, and a wife plus dog mom. I help gymnasts and their parents learn to fuel without the stress or overwhelm so that they can reach their big goals and dreams both in and out of the sport. We want to help parents take a proactive approach to nutrition, and to do so, this podcast is all about hashtag real talk, where we tackle tough subjects about nutrition, body image, and more in the sport of gymnastics. All right, let's dive in. You are listening to episode 81 of the Gymnast Nutritionist Podcast. Hello and welcome back. And today I have kind of a, a juicy episode for you. I'm not even sure if that's the right word, but this is the kind of episode that maybe makes me a little bit nervous. Um, it's definitely something that I think a lot about, especially um, after you know just different client sessions and conversations. And it certainly is a topic that I've had to do a lot of work around um, professionally, just as um, not just a sports dietitian, but also, you know, a pediatric and an adolescent dietitian, just trying to figure out kind of what, what's right and what's the best approach. And as in all of life, there's never one simple, easy answer that we can kind of tie up in a bow and be done with it. But I hope today just sparks some interest for you, maybe gives you something to mull over, something to talk to maybe your partner about and kind of talk to your gymnast about. Um, and maybe just feel a little bit of, of relief as I did when I finally kind of came to my own um, thoughts and decisions on this subject. And I'm kind of setting the stage here to share with you that a couple weeks ago, as I was reviewing applications for the Balanced Gymnast Program, um, one parent said, you know, I have a gymnast who really struggles. She has ADHD. She's on medication. She's never hungry, um, but I don't want to force feed her. And I totally understand that sentiment because often forcing, coercing, you know, bartering with food is not successful. I mean, when we work, when we work with picky eaters, we never take that approach. We take a very low pressure approach because, you know, for some kids you can barter with them, you can nag at them, you can threaten and yeah, maybe they'll eat the broccoli, but they're probably never going to do it on their own. And then there are some kids who, if you do that, they're totally going to do the complete opposite of what you want. And you're probably going to make the situation a whole lot worse. And while I'm not necessarily talking about picky eating today, I want to talk about just overall inadequate nutrition, right? Under fueling, under eating, and even would go as far to say, you know, malnutrition. And so when that parent, you know, applied to the program and said, you know, I, I kind of have two things going on, right? I have a gymnast who I know is not getting enough nutrition because she's often never hungry because of her ADHD medications. And she's also really picky when it comes to food. Like I recognize that that is a problem, but I don't want to force feed her. And obviously I think when you hear the word force feed, at least in my mind, I envision, you know, someone getting like held down against their will and the, you know, spoon being forced in their mouth and forced to swallow the food or whatever okay, that's like very extreme. I've never done that, never would prescribe that. But when we're talking about fueling gymnasts and when parents recognize that their gymnast is underfueled, especially when they're already training 20 or 30 hours a week, this is a safety concern. And so I hope kind of shifting your mindset and recognizing that it is your job as a parent 
to make sure that your kid gets enough nutrition so that they can be safe, so that their body can have enough nutrition to grow and develop, to repair and recover, and to get better from their training. I hope that helps kind of assuage some of the guilt of maybe difficult feeding and fueling interactions. And so I want to talk to you about three different, I would say, kind of subtypes of gymnasts that we work with that struggle with eating enough that, you know, all of them need to eat more, right? Because underfueling at basis is a safety concern. But with all of them, we might take a little bit different of an approach. So I'd say group number one, who tends to be the easiest to work with, is the gymnast who is training 20 or 30 hours a week, and they're just unintentionally underfueling, they're just not getting enough nutrition for a variety of reasons. Number one, oftentimes they're just not hungry because high levels of exercise blunt the appetite, the increase in core body temperature during exercise blunts the appetite, or there might just be a lot of logistical issues. We work with gymnasts who have two-a-day workouts, who are at the gym from 8 to 5 p.m. and only have a 30-minute lunch break, We work with a ton of gymnasts who are commuting, you know, anywhere from 30, 45 minutes to even an hour, hour and a half, you know, both ways from the gym. We've got gymnasts who start, you know, four plus hour training sessions at 6 a.m. And so as you can imagine, there are just a lot of situations where your gymnast may not necessarily be hungry for a meal or snack at the time when she needs to eat it, right? If your gymnast is training from 6 to 10 a.m. in the morning, Her only opportunity to eat breakfast is probably somewhere between 5 and 6 a.m. She unfortunately does not have the luxury to just start working out at 6 a.m. and then take a break at maybe 8 a.m. because she finally decided that she's hungry, right? (laughs) It doesn't work like that. I would say most of the gymnasts that we work with, especially, you know, optional gymnasts and above, they don't get designated snack breaks at practice, which... If you've listened to some of our other episodes, we actually have one that we'll link in the show notes specifically on snack breaks and kind of my my thoughts and feelings about those. But regardless, you know, adequate fueling, adequate meals and snacks before training is a whole lot more important than just what happens during the practice. And so I would say for this group of gymnasts that we work with, we typically have, you know, easier and quicker success with them when we just do a lot of education on why they aren't hungry, why they might not be hungry at the time that they need to eat something, what happens when they don't fuel their body at practice, or what's currently happening at practice because they're not fueling and helping them kind of connect the dots with that from just a logistical feeding and fueling standpoint. I mean, this is where our program comes in. We spend a lot of time in that first month of the program doing plate coaching, teaching parents how to build meals and snacks, arming parents with tools to communicate the importance of fueling, to troubleshoot things like picky eating. And so while it's definitely not a walk in the park for a lot of families, we do get success um, usually pretty quickly, especially when the gymnast starts to feel better. As I've talked in other episodes, that tends to be the motivator that helps them to continue to make the commitment to fueling themselves. Group number two, where we have to have a lot more of these discussions around how underfueling is a safety concern and that gymnastics is a privilege. And if you do not fuel your body, you are not safe to go to a four to five hour practice, like bottom line, end of story, cut and dry. And that's a really hard conversation to have, especially with certain families, because they don't want to pull their kid from gym, right? 
They don't want to make their kids sit in the car and finish their lunch before practice that they didn't eat at their actual lunch time to make sure that they're safe during training. But often, what other choice do we have, right? And so I would say this second group of gymnasts that tend to really struggle with this is those who have something like ADHD or ADD and are on um, stimulant medications that can be appetite blunting or appetite suppressing, or gymnasts that have maybe mental health concerns that impact their appetite, specifically things like anxiety, where it can make you not hungry, it can make you even nauseous. And so this can be a really tough population to work with because oftentimes when they come to us, they have been massively underfueled for years. Their growth has been off the chart for years. They are meeting less than 50 or 60% of their nutrition needs. Sometimes they're super injured. Sometimes they're not injured yet, although they definitely are a ticking time bomb. And we usually have some sort of kind of behavioral issues or just resistance at play. And this is where we really have to help parents kind of reset the boundaries and take their power back of, you know what, I am the parent and I am in control here. And there's a big difference between nagging your kid to eat the broccoli, which we do not advocate, versus making sure that they're safe, making sure that they are medically safe by way of getting enough nutrition to support their basic life functions. If your kid is training 20 or 30 hours a week and they are not growing and developing, that means they're not getting enough calories. They are not getting enough food. I don't know an easier way to communicate that. And so if you willingly allow them to continue to go and train, you are letting them train on metabolic injury. And I think that's the other mindset shift here in this whole conversation is I think physical injuries are very easy for us to identify and understand and kind of follow what our medical providers prescribe, right? If your kid has a broken leg and they're in a cast, obviously they're not doing gymnastics. And even when they get out of the cast, we can visibly see that their leg has atrophied. And so you're going to do PT for a couple of weeks and, you know, they're not going to do gymnastics until that leg is strong enough and it's safe enough. That's really easy for some of us to comprehend, But when it comes to underfueling malnutrition, and again, what I would call metabolic injury, that's really tough because they've been getting away with it. That's usually the case is they've been struggling for years. They've not been growing for years. Oftentimes this was already a problem before they started gymnastics and it wasn't necessarily exacerbated when they started, you know, in, in recreational gymnastics in classes that maybe were only a couple hours a week but a lot of these gymnasts are really talented. And so then all of a sudden they're on the competitive team and they're training 20 or 30 hours a week. And unfortunately, while maybe they're doing great in the gym, nothing has changed with nutrition. And we see this a lot at level six and seven, where we've got the growth plate injuries and inflammation. We've got stress fractures. We've got stress reactions. We look at the growth chart and they have, you know, fallen off their normal curve. They've crossed some percentiles. And when we analyze their nutrition intake, they are not even close to meeting their nutrition needs, which again is crucial for optimal repair, recovery, growth development, and adaptation to training. And so I would say with this subset of the population, it's definitely a more challenging conversation and some parents get it pretty quickly. Others don't, because again, I think there's always that tug of war of you don't want to be the bad parent you may already be struggling with a lot of other behavioral issues. And so you're just trying to pick your battles and you don't want to make food an issue when you're already dealing with other things. I know for a lot of these parents, 
gymnastics is their kid's outlet. And so even though they know and they understand and they hear that their kid is unsafe to be engaging in the amount of activity that they are, for a lot of these parents, it feels it feels impossible. It feels unbearable to pull them from sport because they feel like it's only going to make it that much worse. And they might be right, which is where working with a dietitian, getting a licensed psychologist who is trained in pediatric and adolescence and understands, um, you know, all of these things that we're talking about can be really important to get them back on track and get them the nutrition that they need. And I will say when we can get them properly fueled, everything goes better. Even if they're on a stimulant medication, when we can get them eating more regularly, sometimes we see hunger cues come back. Oftentimes meals and snacks are less of a fight. They often do a lot better at gym in terms of focus and endurance and just coachability. Um, From a, a mental perspective, a lot of these young gymnasts will have some mental blocks. And obviously while nutrition is not gonna solve or cure a mental block, if your kid's brain is underfueled, it's not going to have the energy or calories it needs to engage in the therapy, to engage in the sports psych, to use the tools and strategies that they're learning. And so again, it's it's kind of this holistic approach of we have to fix the root cause, which is the underfueling. So, you know, one subset of this population is the probably ADHD medication issue. I would say the other is the anxiety mental health concerns where that causes a gymnast to not be hungry might even make them nauseous. And again, this is where, you know, we don't work with these families in isolation. As soon as I identify that this is a struggle, I have a couple amazing pediatric adolescent psychologists that, you know, work with gymnasts, work with a lot of our gymnasts that understand kind of how to navigate these challenges and can help the gymnasts kind of work through the discomfort of having to fuel themselves, even when they're not hungry, even when they don't want it. Because again, If you can fuel it, you can do it. And we all need to adopt this mindset of safety because this sport is dangerous. And we have so many gymnasts that are injured, that are stuck, that are struggling because we are allowing them to continue training and burning thousands and thousands of calories every day that they don't have, right? That's like swiping your debit card with zero dollars in the bank account. Most of us don't do that because we want to be able to pay our mortgage, right? We want to be able to pay the electricity and to pay the water bill, right? It is the same thing with your gymnast body. If they are not getting enough nutrition, things are going to start shutting down one system at a time. And you're going to end up spending probably a lot more money and stress and heartache trying to fix that versus trying to address things head on from the get-go. Is it easy? Absolutely not. And I'll be the first to say, on occasion, we have to pull gymnastics, There comes a point where the malnutrition is so severe and we are not making appropriate progress with getting the gymnast to eat enough that they are not safe to engage in as many hours of training as they were. And sometimes it's a reduction in the training hours. Sometimes it's pulling them completely for a time to help get them back on track, growing and developing and getting the amount of nutrition that they need. And obviously being a former gymnast That is the absolute worst part of my job, right? I know how much I love gymnastics as a gymnast. I looked forward to it every day. It was my outlet from school, from home. And so nothing more crushes me than having to take a kid out of gym temporarily, but their health comes first, right? Their health comes first and my medical license, you know, rides on this, right? If I 
knowingly let gymnasts train for 20 or 30 hours a week when I know that they are massively under fuel, that they are not growing, that they aren't developing? What if they got injured and some doctor was like, who the heck has been letting your kid practice this many hours when they are not growing, they're not developing? Like my name would be on the chart, right? Fingers would be pointed at me, especially if we had been already working together. I think a lot of times when that happens, they're not getting nutrition support, right? They haven't come to us yet. That's how a lot of gymnasts do find us and start to get nutrition support. But again, if I ever had to do that for your gymnast, it wouldn't be for any sort of punitive reason. It wouldn't be just for fun. It would be a very discussed and calculated decision that again is usually just temporary because their health comes first, health first, athlete second. The third subset of this population where, again, if we're kind of talking about, is it force feeding or is it making sure they're getting enough nutrition to be safe, would be gymnasts who are struggling with disordered eating or a diagnosed eating disorder. When we work with gymnasts who have a diagnosed eating disorder, we use the adolescent gold standard nutrition approach, which is called the plate-by-plate approach. And it's similar to what we teach, you know, just in terms of general sports nutrition, but it's a little bit different in terms of kind of who does what it's very much parent driven. Um, We're not talking to the the gymnasts about food. We're not really engaging with them a whole lot um, because it has several distinct phases with this approach of re-nourishing them, getting them healthy and getting them, you know, back medically stable and safe to, you know, re-enter gymnastics. And this is another population where even when parents can see it, They see how sick their gymnast is. They know how little they're eating or aren't eating. Having to feed them when there is the resistance, when there's the pushback can be really, really challenging. And so again, we never work in isolation. Anytime we have a gymnast with disordered eating or eating disorders, I'm so quick to loop in one of my adolescent eating disorder psychologists. And then very quickly as a team, we try to determine whether or not this is even appropriate for kind of virtual outpatient care. Um, This is why, you know, eating disorder programs exist. There's a lot of them all across the country that are in person, whether it's intensive inpatient care or intensive outpatient. Um, There are more and more programs that are virtual, but, you know, those programs are just a lot more targeted and specific for, you know, people diagnosed with eating disorders compared to like our program, which is really more preventive nutrition and helping teach gymnasts and parents how to fuel for optimal performance and longevity in the sport. So I hope this episode is helpful for you. I might've ruffled some feathers, so I'm sorry if I did, but at the same time, I know that this is really important information that you need to hear and you need to mull over. And I just want to give some solidarity that sometimes there's not an easy answer when your kid is not eating enough and they're pushing back and they're not eating lunch and they're skipping their snacks. It is really hard to hold your ground as a parent and say, I love you so much, but I care so much about you and your health that you're not safe to go to gymnastics today. And obviously leveraging gymnastics can be very effective, especially if that's something that the gymnast really loves and wants to be able to participate in. Um, But it's not fun, right? That's not fun as a parent. It's definitely not fun as a medical provider, but again, it's, it's about safety and it's about keeping them safe. And so to kind of circle back to my original story, when that person applied from the, for the program and they said, you know, I, I have a gymnast and she has ADHD and I know she's not eating enough, but I don't want to force feed her. I replied back to her and I said, Hey, we would love to support you inside the balanced gymnast program. But 
adequate fueling is a safety concern. And while obviously I never want to force feed a gymnast, you might consider it force feeding if I say, hey, here's the amount of nutrition your kid needs if they're going to participate in gymnastics. And if they're unable to consume the amount of nutrition to keep them growing and developing and to keep them safe, then we're not safe to do gymnastics. And you could think about that as force feeding if you want to, or you can realize that this is really just pure and simple, a safety concern. And that's the goal, right? This sport has an extensive history of misinformation around nutrition, around letting gymnasts do too much too soon, underfueled, and it has absolutely wrecked havoc on so many former gymnasts' lives, physically, mentally, and emotionally. And starting your gymnast from a young age, making sure that you are keeping them safe because they are a minor and you are the parent, that is one of the best things that you can do if you want to help them to reach their big goals and dreams and come out relatively unscathed on the other side. So with that, I hope this is helpful. I'm always happy to chat with you and kind of hear what's going on with your gymnast. Feel free to reach out on Instagram. You can also contact us on our website. Um, Like I said, we'll link to some other episodes in the show notes that are related that you might find helpful. And with that, I'll talk to you guys next week. Bye for now. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Gymnast Nutritionist Podcast sponsored by the Balanced Gymnast Method course. Make sure to hit the subscribe or follow button so you don't miss out on any episodes. You can find any links that we mentioned in the show notes of the episode and also how you can work with us. If you're looking to learn to fuel your gymnast for optimal performance without the stress or overwhelm, feel free to email us. If you have any questions, you can reach us at support at christinaandersonrdn.com, share what's going on and we'll get back to you. Or you can learn more about our programs by going to our website, christinaandersonrdn.com slash work with us. Bye for now.